0: Welcome to Impact Audio. I'm Carrie-Ann Strickland, CMO at Submittable. Today's episode is our season one finale. I'm so proud of what the Impact Audio team has produced this year. Starting something new is always a little scary, but they've gone above and beyond what I thought possible. And the guests, wow, what brilliant minds and generous humans. Thank you for sharing your time and your thoughts with us. For those of you who have been listening all season, our original Impact Audio fan club We appreciate you, and we can't wait to listen with you next season. And if you're joining us now, please do take some time to go back and listen to prior episodes. I promise they're well worth your time. And now, our season's final episode. We'll focus on the state of corporate purpose with insights from the CECP 2021 Giving in Numbers report. Submittable's own Sam Kaplan, Natalia De Robertis-Thai, and Laura Steele got together to break down what the survey results mean for the sector. I'll turn it over to them.
1: We're gathered here across three
2: time zones today, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, Natalia, where are you? I'm here at Submittable HQ in Missoula, Montana. Where are you, Laura?
1: I'm actually in Southern California getting ready for the holiday. Um, Sam, what about you?
3: Nice. I am in lovely Bentonville, Arkansas, home of uh, the Walton Family Foundation, Walmart Corporation, and uh, the uh, Arkansas home base for Submittable.
1: That's exactly right. Sam, so you you brought us this uh, report, the Giving in Numbers report. Do you want to talk about a little bit what it means for the industry?
3: Yeah, definitely. So um, the Giving in Numbers uh, 2021 edition uh, just recently dropped as they say. And uh, this is a super important report uh, for the corporate social responsibility, corporate purpose uh, industry. Um, It's produced by the Chief Executives for Corporate Purpose, or CECP. Um, It's an organization that's really like a coalition of more than 200 of the world's largest companies. It was founded by uh, the actor and philanthropist Paul Newman back in 1999. And the first giving and numbers report came out in 2004. So this has been happening for almost 20 years. And it's really cool because it provides us like a year over year data driven look at how uh, corporate social responsibility is evolving. Um, and we called out a bunch of really interesting uh, data points and statistics and uh, sort of turned those into some insights that I think we're pretty excited to share with our audience today.
2: So, Laura, speaking of those insights, what was something that stood out to you? I think um, just the general dedication
1: to CSR across the industry. Um, I think if you're, if you're not investing um, in CSR, you're really behind at this point. Uh, and that was really well illustrated in the report.
2: Yeah, absolutely. To throw a few stats at everyone, uh, the report showed a 63% increase in direct cash giving, 68% increase in foundation cash, and 65% increase in non-cash. So particularly product donations, which is no big surprise, um, medical products uh, and things like that with the pandemic uh, in 2020 was way on the rise.
3: Yeah. And I think that, you know, another data point that I found uh, that I thought was really, you know, sort of reassuring for CSR is that this has been increasing since 2016. So the report shows that there's this four year trend um, of cash giving that has increased year over year over the last four years. So that's a pretty interesting data point for us. But I would also say, going back to, to your point, Laura, it's equally reassuring to see that corporations are continuing to invest in the employees who staff these uh, corporate purpose teams. It showed that the number of FTEs has grown by 22% uh, since 2018, And another really interesting perspective is that even when corporations have some sort of reduction in staff, the CSR teams remain stable. And in many cases, they even increase the headcount on those number of teams. So, you know, all that to say, it's very reassuring to see that corporations, I think, are really getting that corporate purpose. And CSR has become a really critical and expected component of the work that they do.
2: Absolutely, That one stood out to me as well, Sam. And I think to Laura's point... It seems that community investment is sort of reigning supreme in terms of the full CSR landscape. and your community investment program can look like a lot of different things, but it does look like corporations across the board are really recognizing the importance in, in investing in their own internal staff so that they can in turn make those investments in the community that are so important to employees finding that sense of purpose. We see that importance reflected, you know, in investor reporting, um, as well as we know consumers are savvier than ever. Laura, I know you um, had an, an interesting observation about kind of the growth and savviness among consumers. And, and the importance of corporations taking that really into account when it comes to thinking about their CSR work.
1: Yeah, I think just looking at the landscape of what it means to be a consumer these days, most people are aware of what they're buying, who they're buying it from, and what those companies stand for. Um, and so if you're a company and you're not engaged in uh, addressing community needs and advancing social good, you're gonna suffer in your bottom line.
3: Yeah. And you know, one, one thing I would point to in the report that. Um, That demonstrates that, Laura, is that they they indicate that um, giving for diversity, equity, and inclusion and social justice were really on the rise over the course of last year. So um, out of all the companies that were surveyed, 93% said they increased their giving in those particular focus areas. Um, I think another data point that I found super interesting here was that um, CECP did a Pulse survey uh, in 2019 and the respondents considered that their company's anti-racism actions reinforced their own individual beliefs and purpose. That was 83% of respondents who said that their company's anti-racism uh, uh, statements reflected their own beliefs. And I think it's really, I think it's like something super important to note that you know companies are beginning to. Um, understand that they have to also reflect the values of their employees and their customers to really be viable in the marketplace out there. And so I think we're beginning to see um, what I hope will become a long-term trend in in CSR, where there is this, you know, a really renewed emphasis on values, especially corporate values, reflecting those same values from their their staff and their customers.
1: I think also, When we think about the investment in CSR, particularly the full-time employees, as you mentioned, and those pieces of the company being quite protected, that makes me feel optimistic because it's really about building that infrastructure, especially around diversity, equity, and inclusion. You can't just say, oh, we're going to reach some metric around diversity by next year without really doing the work and putting infrastructure in place and practices in place to support those initiatives. Um, And so I think the fact that companies are really investing in those teams and those practices really gives me hope for us making progress on these issues and it not just becoming something that is popular to say for the public or for employees. Um, It's really following through with action.
2: I think that's such an important point, Laura. And I noticed that as well, uh, particularly some stats around the number of nonprofit partners in portfolios, as well as the number of full-time employees overseeing fewer total grant recipients. We saw trends that indicate to me that perhaps trust-based practices are taking an increasing share of those grants that are going out. Trust-based practices, meaning a philosophy of grant-making rooted in power sharing and relationship building, as opposed to just kind of signing the check and looking the other way. And really having that investment in your own internal staff to be able to build those relationships is crucial to take a trust-based approach. So I also found that encouraging.
3: Yeah, I did as well, Natalia. You know, one one um, insight that I took from all of that was that in most cases, the public sector, the nonprofit sector seems to lag behind the corporate sector, sometimes by several years. Like we see this in technology all the time, where there'll be a, a strong emphasis in some particular technology or methodology or process that happens on the corporate side. And then years later, it seems to trickle down to the nonprofit side. But I actually think this is a bit of the reverse where we're seeing over the last couple of years, like trust based philanthropy and participatory grant making and streamlining grant making, like all of these values have emerged on the private side or the nonprofit side of the sector. And now I think we're beginning to see corporate sort of picking up that clarion call that we're seeing from uh, private grant makers as well. So it's interesting to to note that, you know, for the first time, maybe ever, uh, the corporate sector is actually learning something from the nonprofit sector.
2: Certainly not the first time that they ever should have. Um, But that's such an interesting point, Sam. Sam, one other insight that I know you had observed was how investors are becoming an even bigger factor in CSR.
3: Yeah, most definitely. So uh, in the Giving in Numbers report, they showed that 78% of companies considered the investor perspective when reporting on social results in the company's sustainability report. And there was another data point too, that the percentage of corporate citizenship teams providing ESG information to investors rose from 57% in 2015 to 80% in 2019. So I think it's super interesting that like investors are driving a lot of the evolution in corporate social responsibility. Um, and I think it's also fantastic that corporations themselves are beginning to recognize that like we're not only doing this out of a sense of of altruism or because we feel that it's the right thing to do, but like there's some actual acknowledgement that it's the right thing to do for your business and your bottom line as well.
2: Absolutely, I think it echoes back to the point that Laura made earlier. It's it really is every stakeholder is kind of demanding um, for more of a purpose based approach from corporations, employees, customers, as well as investors. So encouraging trends, I think. Yeah. And then when it comes to kind of communicating about CSR efforts and and really impact. One other thing that we observed in the report is that impact measurements really seem to be table stakes. We saw that a full 92% of companies measured social outcomes on at least one of their grants, and 28% measured all grants, 39% measured their strategic programs, and three-year data also showed that impact measurement is taking more and more of a foothold.
1: Yes, and Natalia, you brought this to my attention, but I think it's easy for people to get caught in the weeds a little bit with impact measurement, but I think it's it's a great idea to leverage the information and the data that you're already collecting to look at how you can uh, measure your impact. You can look at employee surveys, maybe that you're already running. You can look at brand assessments to see how the public feels about your brand and about the work that you're doing. So it's uh, it's really about leveraging your existing resources to measure impact. I think I think it also links back to um, some of the DEI work that we talked about. Measurement really allows you to find the blind spots as well, whether that's an inefficiency with um, how your program operates, or that's a misstep in terms of equity, you're not going to know about that unless you're taking the time to look back at your work and say, how are we doing? What is the impact that we're having?
2: That's absolutely right. And uh, Laura, I'll go ahead and brag for you, uh, has written the coffee table book, as we like to refer to it, on impact measurement. Um, So she knows what she's talking about. Anyone wanting to dive more into that can check on the the submittable resources online. One more point I wanted to make about measurement was that when it came to measuring employee metrics, as well as brand metrics, the most important evidence that corporations called out um, in terms of seeing their impact among employees was increased employee engagement score. And then for the brand, it was an improved reputation and trust score. So incredibly important results that they're seeing as a manner of the impact of their community investments.
3: Yeah. And one thing I would add to this is that I'm super curious to see if the corporate sector is going to follow the trend that we've seen in private philanthropy around more general operating grants and really sort of like fewer restrictions, on how grant dollars can be spent. You know, typically in years past for both CSR and in private philanthropy, when grants were handed out, they were done in this very prescriptive manner. Essentially, you know, that the nonprofits were told more or less exactly how they were going to spend the money and what they were going to spend that money on, and the very specific impact that was expected to be made with those grant dollars. But we've seen, especially since COVID. Um, And all of the events that took place in 2020 that on the private philanthropy side, grant makers have been doing more of these general operating grants or general support grants where they're not being prescriptive, they're handing grant dollars over and they're saying to the nonprofits, we trust that you know the best way to spend these dollars to make the greatest impact and to you know, make your organization uh, sustainable in the long term. And I think as a result, like fewer measures and metrics and data elements are being expected back from those nonprofits. And so this would be a big shift for corporate philanthropy, because as you guys know, on the corporate side, like everything gets measured, right? Like going all the way back to, uh, you know, the dawn of time with quality assurance, we've all heard this uh, the saying that you can't improve what you don't measure. And so the corporate side has been so heavily Focused on collecting tons of of data to measure very specifically the impact that their dollars are making. I think it's going to be really interesting to see over the next few years if the corporate side follows the nonprofit side and actually begins to request less data on some of this impact.
2: Yeah, and i I think that's a great point, Sam. and And I think another lesson they can kind of take is, you know, gathering less pieces of quantitative data doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to learn less about that ultimate outcomes and impact that you contributed to, uh, you know, by providing those unrestricted funds, for example, you know, it's kind of rather a shift to embracing the fact that impact is complex. It takes a long time. It's about people. It's not about numbers. Um, and so I think more of an openness to that approach to impact measurement would be a really wonderful thing.
3: Here, here. All right, so why don't we end by talking about what I think is kind of the elephant in the room regarding uh, the the Giving in Numbers report, and that is some of the data that was presented on both volunteerism and matching gifts. So, you know, clearly, as you would expect, uh, in a year with a global pandemic, uh, volunteerism was way way down uh, last year. So, what they discovered was that typically you get like thirty percent of employees volunteering at least one hour per year, but last year it was only twenty percent. So Um, You know, obviously, uh, with a global pandemic raging, you know, it's just not possible to uh, send employees off to uh, a nonprofit to volunteer. Um, They did report that uh, virtual volunteering was way up, and I think it actually became a thing last year. It'll be interesting to see if uh, virtual volunteerism uh, sticks around or if we're at a point where people are starting to feel more comfortable going back to these physical uh, volunteer events. So um, that was one point that I thought was super interesting.
2: Yeah, that was a bright spot in, um, as you, uh, I think, correctly identify kind of the, the areas that are poised for opportunity in CSR is maybe a, a kinder framing we can give that. But yeah, we also saw that uh, gift matching continued a years-long uh, downward trend there. And what's most interesting about those trends uh, to me is that they're, they're ubiquitously available these are practices that most large businesses have in place, but you know if your employees are not participating, they're, they're clearly not yielding you any results.
3: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean the, the report shows that 94% of companies offer at least one matching gifts program, but only 22% of employees are participating. I think it's similar for volunteerism. Um, you know typically you would expect to see around 30% of employees volunteering an hour a year. Um, We know the number was down last year because of COVID, but I think it all begs the question, you know, as an industry, how do we feel about, you know, these programs around volunteerism and matching gifts that are, as you said, Natalia, just ubiquitous, like everyone has them, but the participation rate, you know, at 22% for gift matching, you know, 30% for volunteering an hour. Are we happy with that as a, as an industry? And, and if we're not happy, like, what do we think those opportunities might be to, uh, to make some changes?
2: So, I will say for volunteerism, um, some opportunities uh, could be, you know, are you offering uh, opportunities that, your employees are actually interested in. And one way that the Submittable Volunteerism product approaches this is it really empowers the employees themselves to create those opportunities, to leverage their own relationships that they have in the community and invite their coworkers to go and join them. Um, and I think that the other side of that is that it makes it a social kind of opportunity. It's a really easy to use platform where uh, you can, as an employee, see you know who else is going to be participating and volunteer as a team or on the other other hand, you know, make an effort to volunteer with different people who you don't usually get a chance to interact with through the course of uh, your job duties. Um, So it's really kind of creatively exploring ways that you can make the volunteer experience more engaging through the technology.
1: When I think too about companies looking to refresh programs like this, I think about kind of stepping back a little bit and looking at them from the employee's perspective and what are some of the barriers whether it's time, whether it's sort of psychological barriers, whether it's a nervousness to engage in a program they haven't been a part of before. But taking time to kind of look at things from that perspective will help maybe reframe them in a way that is more engaging and that allows some excitement and some inspiration around these programs that have been around so long. I think maybe some people have kind of taken them for granted.
3: And I I agree with both of you. I think that, you know, it is time to reinvent volunteerism and it's time to reinvent matching gifts to make these much more engaging uh, for employees You know, I also think that it begs the question, is the industry ready for something else as well, like volunteerism, matching gifts, like these programs, as as ubiquitous as they are, they've been around for a really long time. And while I think there is tons of opportunity to make them better, and I think that as we do make them better uh, and more engaging, then we're going to see those numbers go way up. I think that the whole industry has also been, you know, sort of asking itself, like, what's the next, what's the next thing that's going to happen in employee engagement? Um, And that's what I'm super curious to see. And I'm not sure, uh, Maybe we'll get some input from uh, listeners of uh, today's podcast and you know, let us know what you think is on the horizon for uh, CSR and corporate purpose. Um, we would love to know.
0: Thank you for joining us today and all year. Feedback, ideas, or recommendations for next season? Reach out to our team at submittable.com. We'll see you again in 2022. Impact Audio is edited and produced by Jordan Marvin and our crew at Submittable. Submittable is a cloud-based social impact platform designed to help your team make better decisions and have a bigger impact. We'd love to partner with you to maximize social good and create lasting change through smarter technology. Find out more at Submittable.com. And until next time, take good care.